0: Chocolate Fever, hormonal, Prehistoric Monster Syndrome. This week, the Gal Pals talk about PMS. <music> it's your good cow Pals, Kayla and Arnie, bringing you TMI Talks, where you'll be thinking, no one told me, for friends, sisters, and moms for all women and vagina havers. Evidence-based information brought to you by a science master obsessed with research and a physician assistant.
1: Just a reminder that this is for educational purposes only. Please seek a medical professional if you have concerns. We do our best to provide up-to-date information backed by evidence-based medicine. We do the research so you don't have to. Hello and welcome to the second installment of our Is This Normal series for our podcast, No One Told Me, where we focus on body questions, where we've heard our friends and family ask, is this normal? We'd just like to start by saying thank you so much for listening to our first episode, subscribing to our podcast, and for being on this journey to better health knowledge with us. Okay, Kayla, let's get into it. So let's get started with the common signs and symptoms of PMS or premenstrual syndrome.
0: Yeah, so I think many of us know that the symptoms someone experiences or a person experiences can range from person to person in huge amounts, and people will experience everything from mood swings to a low mood, increased anxiety, maybe even like crying easily, having headaches, fatigue, poor sleeping difficulty concentrating, acne, oily skin, food cravings, abnormal bloating, menstrual cramps, decreased libido, and even constipation and diarrhea. Um, this is not an exhaustive list just because there are so many ways that PMS affects um, the human body.
1: It really shows how much of our bodies PMS can really affect and how many uh, body systems it can affect, right? Because it's not just the mood, it's, it's your physical GI system as well when you have things like constipation and diarrhea.
0: I think that's a really important um, distinction to make, especially because for such a long time, PMS has been portrayed as something that was purely in someone's head and purely emotional it wasn't recognized as something that physically affected the body. Arnie, now that we're on this subject, can you give us a rundown of what PMS is and why it happens?
1: Sure, let's talk about that. So based on the list you just gave us, we can safely say that PMS not only encompasses how you feel, but it's it's a combination of physical and behavioral symptoms. And these symptoms actually occur during the luteal phase of your cycle. And if you remember from last week, that's the 14 days leading up to when you actually start to bleed. The American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists actually defines PMS as a repetitive pattern of symptoms that are present in the five days before you start bleeding, lasting up to four days after the start of bleeding. These symptoms, if they occur for at least three months in a row, are a clinical definition of PMS. In terms of what causes PMS, I tried to find what, if there was actual research uh, or a definite answer to why we get PMS, and the answer I found was that researchers don't know exactly what causes PMS. However, it's thought to be related to menstrual cycle hormone fluctuations.
0: That's really interesting. Can you you tell us more about the fluctuations or which which hormones?
1: Definitely. Uh, So I did find some research showing that people who experience PMS, uh, and again, some people experience it more so than others, have normal concentrations of estrogen and progesterone, but might have an abnormal response to these hormonal changes. We're going to talk about this in more depth at a later time, in a later episode, but right now we can stick to the basics. Essentially, to answer your question, Kayla, last week we spoke about the egg being released from a matured follicle in the ovary. Once that egg is released, that empty follicle becomes a hormone-releasing glandular sac called a corpus luteum or luteum. This is what releases progesterone and estrogen to prepare the body for possible fertilization and implantation. If an egg is not fertilized and implanted about four days before the start of your period, the corpus luteum stops producing progesterone and estrogen and ends up shriveling up. This causes the levels of both hormones to fall again. And it's this dropping of levels, which is hypothesized to cause the PMS
0: symptoms. That's really cool. So what I'm hearing is that the follicle that released the egg, if the egg isn't fertilized, shrivels up, becomes a corpus luteum, and that is what causes the hormone levels to drop, which is what is hypothesized to cause PMS.
1: Exactly. And just uh, throwing in a fun fact, even though it's not time for a fun facts yet, notice the word corpus luteum and how it occurs during the luteal phase. It, there's, there's a direct connection
0: there. That makes a lot of sense. So how do you know if you are PMSing? Kind of what we spoke about already. You may
1: experience the symptoms that we spoke about before, or you may not. Every body responds to their hormonal variations differently. If your PMS symptoms cause you enough distress, and if they affect your daily functionality, that's when it might be time to do something more about it. That's when it might be something more than just your standard PMS, Um, in terms of there might be elements of depression, anxiety.
0: From my understanding, if you have very severe symptoms of PMS, it could also be an indication of other health concerns that might be going on, like physical health concerns, which we can get into in later episodes. So now that we've kind of discussed
1: the background of what PMS is and what's happening in your body when you are PMSing, let's talk about what you can do about it and how to
0: feel better. Everyone has their own methods of self-soothing. I personally love a good bubble bath and I have been known to take an aspirin or a Tylenol (laughs) during this time just to help with the cramps. Um, Other things that people can do are along the lines of what I'm saying. Self-care, whatever that means to you. Maybe it's curling up and watching Netflix for a little bit. Regular aerobic exercise has also been proven to help. Meditation, yoga, regulating your sleeping habits, avoiding caffeine, avoiding salty foods, avoiding alcohol. So the reason why it's recommended to avoid salty foods and
1: alcohol is because those things, specifically salty food can increase your amount of fluid retention. That means you might just end up with more bloating. But hey, if you want that extra salty Miss Vicky salt and vinegar chips while you're craving something, then
0: maybe that's part of your self-care too. I will devour an entire bag of jalapeno chips. I feel it. Um, While we're on the topic of food, is it better to avoid chocolate and oily food during this time? So I know that
1: at one point, it was thought that chocolate and oily food would make your breakouts worse during your PMS. However, I didn't find any evidence as to chocolate and oily food causing worsening of these symptoms. The only thing that I did find evidence on was the sugar content. Possibly making breakouts worse in general and in this time. A great thing you can do to get in tune with your body is also keeping a mood journal or a period tracker that also tracks your mood changes. Soon enough, you'll kind of get to figure out how your body is reacting and how your mood is changing based on where you are in your cycle. Um, I find that it helps. I know people that like using that method of monitoring their mood
0: hey i'm a person that loves data it's your data to do with as you please figure out important trends exactly yeah it's how you get to know yourself too
1: i did also find some limited data on the use of vitamin b6 uh with decreasing intensity of pms and we'll we'll put in that link Um, in our about section. And other vitamins and supplements, including magnesium, calcium, vitamin E, uh, don't really have much evidence in terms of being more effective than placebo in studies that were done on these for decreasing PMS symptoms. And ultimately, at the end of it, if your symptoms are affecting your normal functionality, it's worth going to speak with your care provider uh, because you might need something like antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications
0: or medications, or maybe looking into um, something more physical as well, as we mentioned before. Definitely. I think that's all all the information we're going to go through today about PMS. I'm really happy that we're able to cover this topic. I know that um, especially in like colloquial or in um, even in media, Having PMS is sometimes portrayed as being, I guess, hysterical is kind of the crude way to to describe that. Did you know that the
1: word hysterical actually comes from the Latin word hystericus, meaning of the womb or pertaining to the uterus?
0: Interesting. That is a fun fact. I think that that is a great cue for us to go into summary and fun facts. We're trying something a little different with this episode. We're going to do a little bit of music first. We'll have a little bit of a break. And then we'll be back with our summary and fun facts. And we're back. So we're going to do a little summary of our topics. we were very happy to cover this um, topic, as we mentioned before the break. So let's go over what we learned. So PMS is a combination of physical, mental, and emotional symptoms occurring five days before you start menstruating up until four days after you start menstruating. So that first day of your cycle, which is again, the first day that you start bleeding. It's most likely because of hormone fluctuations during the luteal phase of your menstrual cycle. And self-care can help relieve the symptoms. So if you're feeling it, try to take care of yourself and remember that you're great. So for fun facts today, Arnie already gave us that great fun fact right before our break. Um, I am very excited about this fun fact because I find it to be just astonishing. I think that's the best word that I can use to describe it it's that PMS has actually been successfully used as an excuse in legal proceedings to explain explain actions due to impaired judgment. Now, this is because there is a whole debate on how the word syndrome should not be used for this phenomenon because of connotations and legal impacts. So to get into more of the details, Syndrome implies that the existence of a pathological condition that demands an intervention and treatment by medical authorities. In English law specifically, it is permissible for a person to be accused of homicide, to to submit a plea of diminished responsibility, basically saying that during the time that the incident happened, they were suffering from medical abnormalities that would impair the responsibility for their actions. So this actually happened in three different cases. There was enough medical evidence to show that the, per- the people in the cases had PMS. And this has been accepted to reduce the charges of murder to manslaughter in the three cases in the UK. To me, that's just mind-blowing. I'm absolutely speechless,
1: Well, that was definitely an interesting turn to the episode.
0: Yeah, who knew we were going to learn about legal proceedings here? We keep it fresh. Well, thanks for listening to our TMI Talks, where we do the research so you don't have to. As always, let us know if you have any questions at the Gallup House Guide through any of our social media. And don't forget to like, dislike, whatever you like on your chosen podcast platform. bye.